Hi, everyone. This is Carrie Bellog. I am the founder and chief groupie of Brand Groupies Consulting, where we obsess about your brands. Build your brand, rock your brand, and fans will come. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Groupies podcast. I have an extra special guest with us this morning, uh, Marilyn Schlossbach, who is the executive chef and owner of the Marilyn Schlossbach Group, which includes Langosta Lounge, Pops Garage, Asbury Park Yacht Club, and the Marilyn Schlossbach Catering and Events um, business. Marilyn's community work surpasses borders. Since 2008, she's offered free holiday meals to any and all in need on Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter through her restaurant, Langosta Lounge. Her community work includes a collaboration with Interfaith Neighbors on Asbury Park's Kula Cafe and Urban Farm, community garden gardening, and surf lessons with the Boys and Girls Club of Asbury Park and an unwavering support of environmental organizations like Clean Ocean Action, Surf Rider Foundation, American Literal Society, and Waves for Water that work to protect coastlines and marine environments. Marilyn is the founder of Food for Thought by the Sea, the nonprofit community food truck staffed by trained underprivileged youth and offered to nonprofit groups for fundraising events. So today we're so excited to talk about her latest endeavor uh, her very first cookbook, Feed This Community, 11 Chapters for 11 Charities, and Wave of Balance Wellness Moringa Supplement Company, which is, um, you know, her new um, business as well. So Marilyn, welcome to the Brand Groupies podcast. Thank you for having me. So much to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and I've known Marilyn for a while, and um, she is just an incredible businesswoman, um, leader, um, just an inspiration every time I, I meet with her. And, and she's always doing something new and exciting. And she's always, always um, doing incredible things for the community. So um, it's an honor to have you. Thank Marilyn. you. It's an honor to be here. So thank you. you. You are an inspiration oh, to me, come on. by the way. <laughs> <You're so sweet. laughs> well, I'm I'm really uh, honored to have you here, and I um, would love to share a little bit about your story. I know um, you've done a lot of things um, in the past and exciting ventures, and maybe just a little bit about your background and how you got into, you know, being a chef and re uh, restaurant owner. Okay. Well, I became a chef by chance. Um, my mother had terminal cancer when I was 18. And I grew up in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So Jealous. not to date myself, <laughs> it was a fun time, but it was not a um, holistically balanced time in society. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the onset of diet this, diet that, fake food. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with Doritos and Diet Coke and candy and yellow cheese and all these things that today um, I've eliminated from my life but were very prevalent back then. It was the new, fun, easy way to eat. And when my mother got ill, it kind of shifted me back to the roots of food. Um, my father was born in 1898. So when he was a little kid, there was nothing fake. Everything was true and real and small. And coming into my youth and my teens and then on to my 20s, the world was a big, wide place, kind of like what it is now with the Internet and social media. But back then it was with food and exploration. 
So I always had the roots of my father who, you know, in the back of my mind was, what do you need that for? I didn't have airplanes when I was a kid. We didn't have Doritos. We didn't have fake food. You should eat what's real. You should put on your body and in your body what comes from the earth. So when my mom got sick, I kind of went back to that world. And at the same time, my brother owned a restaurant in Avon called Ocean, which was a French-Japanese restaurant, very out of the box for 1982. Um, we were kind of the weird people in Avon. <laughs> people were kind of scared of us. We would dress up in kabuki makeup and kimonos and walk on the beach in Asbury Park when nobody was here and mm -hmm. when there was... Um, uh, what was the WNEW used to oh, have the their beach day? I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we would dress up and go on the beach, and oh. we would pretend we were Japanese and walk around and go, "Where ocean? Where ocean?" And people would look and be like, "The ocean's right here." What are you talking about? And we'd have these um, questionnaires that we would ask you famous musicians and famous actors and what their favorite foods were that we served in the restaurant. And obviously, all these people hadn't been to the restaurant, so we had no idea. But we made it up. And if you won, which maybe one or two people a year would win, we would give you a dinner for two or whatever. But we had a lot of fun with it, and we would do it every weekend. And one weekend, the chef didn't show up. And my brother was in New York working on another project in the city. And I called him, and I said, Lisa didn't come to work. And it's Fourth of July weekend. We have all these reservations. And I was just a waitress. I was like 20 years old. And he said, well, you have to do it. And I said, I can't do it. That's crazy. And he said, you can do it. You can do anything. So he talked me through it. I worked that night in the kitchen. I knew what all the food needed to look like because I was a waitress there. But I had no idea how to cook. And I remember I had a huge telephone because back in the 80s, we had portable phones like, you know, as big as a book. And I worked on the line with the phone on my shoulder and um, all night calling him. When do I flip the tuna? How much do I let the sauce reduce? How long do I cook these vegetables? How much garlic? And at the end of the night, I went out on the floor and we all sat and had some wine or whatever. And I was just like, that was amazing. Wow, <laughs> I love it. so cool. And I never stopped. So that was the moment, really, yeah. that it just hit you and... Like to say your life changes trajectory in an hour was what happened. And wow. I gave up my dreams of wanting to be a marine biologist and swim with dolphins, and mm -hmm. which I should have kept doing, but that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. And so how long did it take um, for you to then, um, you know, start your own venture after that? Uh, I think it was about two years. Um, my mother passed away. She actually got better, 100% remission mm -hmm. from food, macrobiotics. And then my father died, and then she kind of mm -hmm. lost hope. And I was driving down to Grog's, which used to be in Seaside, with some friends, and I passed this little sign in uh, Bayhead that said for rent. So I pulled the car over. I walked down this path of all edible flowers and plants, and there was this cottage in the back that had a little kitchen in it. And I knocked on the door and I said, what is this? And they said, it's a restaurant. And the chef took off and never came back. Do you want it? I'll give it to you for like $3,000 for the year. And I said, yes. And then I went home and tried to figure out where to come up with $3,000. And 
uh, called Every Friend, and we painted and fixed it up and opened it for the summer, and it was called Rosalie's Kitchen. Okay. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, what a story. And it was great. And how you were 20, you were in your early 20s? Yeah, it was like 21. Wow. Yeah. And that was such an amazing story. And so, um, so after that, how did you get to Asbury Park? Um, I had multiple restaurants in between mm -hmm. with um, multiple partners, good and bad. And I was at the bar at my restaurant in Manilok, and that was called mm -hmm. Cafe La Playa. Mm -hmm. And I overheard these guys talking about Asbury Park. And I grew up in Belmar, and my father had real estate in Asbury, and I knew Asbury well. We used to run around in Steinbeck's when we mm -hmm. were kids, and it was kind of our stomping ground. We would roller skate from Belmar to the fast lane to see shows, and so we're dating ourselves with roller skates here. But <laughs> um, So I was listening to them at the bar, and I said, well, what are you doing in Asbury? And they said, oh, we own some property. Do you want to open a restaurant? And I said, no, I want to open an import uh, furniture store because we had just gotten back from Bali on oh, a surf trip. Okay. And I was like, oh, we could import furniture and travel mm -hmm. and buy stuff. It would be so much fun and surf. And he said, well, I own a bunch of property on Cookman Avenue in Asbury. Come see me. So, you know, I went home. I told Scott, my husband, you know, mm -hmm. this is what this guy said. And people say it all the time, you know, you should do this and I'll do this for you. And it doesn't always pan out. So I didn't really think about it. And then he called and said, are you coming up to see the property? And I said, all right, we'll come up. So we took us on a tour and he happened to own all of Cookman Avenue okay. at the time on the south side. So he was like, you could have this building or this building, you could do this or that. And you know, I said, all right. Uh, and um, what year was this? Was This was 90s? 13, 14 years ago. Okay, all right. Yeah, right before everything on Cookman started happening. Mm -hmm. So turns out I got involved with them. We opened Market in the Middle, okay. um, which is where Toast is now mm -hmm. on Cookman. And it was a beautiful restaurant. It was really great. But they were really horrible people. Mm -hmm. And they took advantage of not just me, but a lot of people in Asbury. That was the beginning of the grab and take mm. of Asbury Park. But I left um, in not a good way. But during that time, Madison Marquette was coming into town and they were doing the boardwalk and they enticed us to come up and look at some pavilions up there. And we originally wanted the Howard Johnson's building, but we were in Salulita, Mexico surfing. Mm. And Madison Marquette wanted us to sign the lease that day. Oh. And I remember sitting in a FedEx office, spending like six hours oh. waiting for back and forth paperwork. And Scott was like, we're here on vacation. If they can't wait till next week, it's not meant to be. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I called them and I said, we're not doing it unless you can wait. And they didn't wait. Wow. So they gave us the pavilion we're in now. Mm -hmm. And um, though I would have loved to have the other pavilion... We've been in Langosta for 10 years. Mm -hmm. We've built quite a community outreach yeah. through our business there. So I'm proud of what we've done wherever it is. That's amazing. Um, it's such a staple in Asbury Park and you've, you know, are such a pioneer there. And um, I can't help but mention the story about um, when Sandy came through and what you had to go through to then 
you know, rebuild, which um, must have been, uh, you know, it was unimaginable at the time of what happened. And you were able to rebuild, yeah. which was incredible. I think um, everybody has their Sandy story mm -hmm. and it's hard to even believe it was as intense as it is when you look at what's happening since, mm -hmm. you know, you turn on the TV and there's a fire yeah. or a community underwater and mm -hmm. it's constant um, shift of our environment. Yeah. And it kind of makes that period seem much smaller to me than it felt at mm -hmm. the time. But we were brand new parents. We had twin six-year-old, now they're six-year-old, but they were five months old when Sandy hit. Oh. And we were living in Normandy Beach above our restaurant down there. And we were evacuated. So we left. And, you know, we had been evacuated before, so it wasn't a big deal to leave. I just grabbed a bag of clothes and the dog and the cat and the lizard, and we just <laughs> left and didn't go back for seven months. And in the meantime, Asbury Park... Um, though the community really fared well, the boardwalk did not. And it was kind of contradictory, Murphy's Law, whatever you want to call those things. But Normandy Beach was perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with the property, but no power for seven months. Asbury Park had power, had a community, but we were totally wrecked. And we honestly got the power the same week that we reopened Langosta. So it was seven months without a business, without work, without our employees and our family around us and two little girls that we were very new parents and very clueless and very scared. Yeah. It was a scary time. Yeah. Wow. That was um, uh, incredible how you rebuilt and, and now it's, um, you know, just hopping. I mean, you go there on, you know, a summer night and you can't even get in the door. I mean, the, you know, yeah. <laughs> the wait list, I'm always looking for my cousin, Lorianne, who works there. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's, it's cousin Carrie. Get me a table. <laughs> Can you get me a table. But it's packed and the, the energy, you know, and what you've created in there, like you walk in and it's almost like you feel comfortable talking to people at the bar or at the, I don't know. You, you just, it, there's that total total vibe that you've created. And I think that you've, you know, empowered your staff to um, continue with the the brand and, and really um, make, make people feel at home, that it's just a place where you can go and really feel comfortable. And of course, the food is amazing. So I think, you know, when we built Langosta, it was in the biggest crisis that this country has seen, financial crisis mm -hmm. in my lifetime. And when we embarked on it, I said, one, I want a restaurant that is creative because you never see that on the beach in New Jersey. It was always what I call 1980s suburban food that we were stuck in. And I wanted it to be in an atmosphere that was fun. I'm not pretentious at all. I love to come off the beach in flip-flops and sandy pants and go out for good food. I don't feel I should have to go home shower and put on a dress to mm -hmm. enjoy the best possible meal I can have. And I wanted a place that felt like that, that was not pretentious, that was fun and vibrant and had soul. Mm -hmm. You know, so many times I go out to eat and I'm like, the food is wonderful, the service is great, but I just don't feel the soul here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just a room. I get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So nice. I think that's what we kind of do different. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's great. And then the, the live music. I mean, there's so many elements 
um, to it that uh, make it um, so special. It really is a special, special place um, that you've created. Um, and so I know having your own business, you're like a say a serial entrepreneur in a great way because you have so many ideas and, and visions. Um, what's your, what's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur and, um, I don't know, the excitement that comes with it. I think, um, and I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs feel some of mm -hmm. this. There is a spark about being creative mm -hmm. and yeah. having ideas, whether you're a painter or an artist in any form, um, food and atmosphere, and the collaboration of putting that all together with the music and the lighting and the staff and the product is my art. And unfortunately, as an entrepreneur, you are a creator, so you have lots of ideas all the time. I think for me, the ideas are the, the passionate part. It's trying to find the balance of which ideas are actually ones you should embark on and put your money into or get other people's money to put into it. That's the tough thing for me. Um, but I love, you know, when I come home and I say to Scott, I have an idea, his first reaction is, oh, no, <laughs> what is it? And mine is like this, I don't know, you can't even explain the feeling when when something lights you up, mm -hmm. it's physical and mental yes. together. And it's the way I describe it is if you, it gets you out of bed in the morning, like you're so excited about it that you cannot wait to work on it. Yeah. I think that, um, that's how I judge, <laughs> uh, you know, how to move forward on things and, uh, what's your, your true passion. But, um, <laughs> You've done so many, so many great things. And of course, building the business and maintaining um, the, the brand and, and the staffing. Um, have you learned certain things as an entrepreneur um, about yourself through this whole process? <laughs> yeah, I think I learn things every day. Yes. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. uh, just in that phrase, serial entrepreneur mm -hmm. um, sparks some learning. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, you know, as a creative person, I said this to my husband the other day, I said, what if we changed Langosta into something else? Or what if we sold it? Or what if we did something new? And he's like, well, we, how are we going to spin that? And I said, well, you're a painter. Would you have painted the same painting for the last 10 years every <laughs> single day? Like eventually the operations of it is not what lights me up in the morning. <laughs> um, and how do you balance that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've learned how to do QuickBooks, Excel, be an accountant, be a payroll person, be an orderer, do budgets. And all these things make me cringe. And I hate doing them. Last week, this week's budget, I just emailed everybody, you're all out of budget. And I don't have time for this. <laughs> I don't That's feel it. it. <laughs> so, so they probably look at me like she's crazy. Uh, you know? No, it's it's great. Well, the, the exciting thing is you can do whatever you want. Like you can to change it or pivot or whatever, you know, makes sense and, and excites you. And I think it's so cool that you and Scott, um, our team and, you know, yeah, about, we're a support team. Support team. You yeah. know, I think it's good to have the good guy, bad guy, mm -hmm. good cop, bad cop yes. in your relationship in business. Somebody that is the devil's advocate that challenges you on all these crazy ideas you have. Otherwise, you know, earlier on in life, I think I jumped into things out of fear or out of needing to feel something or prove myself or give too much of myself and not 
feel my worth in a partnership. And I think that's one big lesson I've learned that I have value and it may not be valuable to everyone, but it is to enough people that it's worth something and I shouldn't give it away so Mm -hmm. easily all the time. I think that's a, you know, really a a good, um, good point. And um, the, the, also the community work um, that you've done um, also as an extension of Langosta and the other restaurants. um, How did that start? Have you always been um, doing community um, projects since you were younger or did it start once you had the restaurants? Uh, I got it from my parents for okay. sure. I can remember times coming home on a holiday and some random person is at the table or somebody mowing our lawn and my father being like, well, you know, I have a mortgage company. I gave this guy a mortgage because he couldn't get one from the bank, but he can't pay me this month. So he's going to be mowing <laughs> our lawn and fixing some things <laughs> wow. around here. And, you know, looking back, as a kid, it was like, my parents are just weird. <laughs> what is all this? Can't we just have a normal life? Mm-hmm. But the thing I got from them is that sense of lifting your community up mm-hmm. and having to have that support around you. I mean, Sandy was a big one for that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were closed down, people missed that sense of stability of the place that they feel good to go. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have their Friday night or their Tuesday night. And if we just push everything out of our communities, we lose so much of the core of what builds a community up, no matter who the people are. And for me, it's how can we help them lift up with us? How can we teach people how to work in restaurants if we want to have a lot of restaurants in our community? Or how can we teach them to be... Um, technical musicians like the Lake House is doing, because not everybody's going to be Ariana Grande, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there are plenty of people who need to help her be Ariana Mm -hmm. Grande. And there's people in our community who can do that. There's people who could work on a farm at Kula or work in a warehouse at Pepsi if that's what they want to do. But they need that sense of commitment from the community around them to give them that self-worth, that feeling which I've struggled with my whole life of Mm. feeling invisible Mm. and not feeling like I have a place. Mm. And, Mm. you know, it's my natural thing to do that. Mm -hmm. Not everybody first thought is, what can I give to? You know, Mm -hmm. Scott always says, can the charity be us for a change? (laughs) (laughs) You're so giving. I mean, amazing. I saw all over the press your recent Thanksgiving um, dinner with the governor yep. who was there and and you you open up your restaurant to a- everyone on Thanksgiving and other ho- um, big holidays and uh, it is just um, you know it's really really incredible what you've done and then as far as your food for thought by the sea the nonprofit uh, food truck um, that was launched last year or the year before well food for thought by the sea has been around for about 12 years okay. Um, I started it when we started doing these community dinners with Pat Mm -hmm. Sherman from Feeding Friends because she didn't have a 5013C. We didn't have a partner that could help us take donations. So I said, well, why don't we just do our own and we'll make it easier, Mm -hmm. Um, which we did. And through Food for Thought, we kind of never needed anything. Um, We've always funded it ourselves the surf lessons, the gardening lessons, um, raising money for Kula, whatever it is, until 
one day I had this idea about doing a nonprofit food truck. Scott and I had gone to this dinner and we got all excited about it. And I said something to somebody and it ended up in the Asbury Park Press. Mm. And then I kept getting these calls about, oh, we would love to donate. We would love to support. And then it was like, okay, so I guess this is real. We really have to think about this. So we formed a new board for Food for Thought, and we have some really amazing people on the board. And New Jersey Natural Gas came in as a partner, and they're going to match a $30,000 grant. Incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. So <laughs> now huge. we're raising uh, money to fit out the truck. Uh, mm-hmm. Penske Land Rover of Monmouth donated a truck. So mm-hmm. the money we're raising is to actually fit out the truck. And when it's on the road, it's going to be a literal vehicle for change. It'll partner with any nonprofit or for-profit company that wants to raise money for a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And Food for Thought by the Sea is basically a funnel for that money and awareness. We're not an organization that needs to do anything specific, but help other organizations reach their goal. Got it. And you train um, underprivileged youth to work yep. in the food trucks. So it's youth, full veterans, um, incarc- newly out of jail, mm-hmm. um, men and women. There's so many people struggling with so many walls in their life. And for me, having grown up the way I did without parents and with a lot of struggle mm-hmm. in my early youth, once you feel confident in who you are and what you can achieve, you can go after anything. And I think for Food for Thought, it's to give people a place and a platform to feel that inside, to heal it, to make it stronger, and to say, no matter where I come from, what I've done, what schooling I've had, I can go out and get my dream. I mean, I'm self-taught, never went to college, just got an honorary degree from Brookdale, oh, so I have a college good. degree now. <laughs> yeah, <Congrats. laughs> but and I've oh, definitely earned it. Yes, yes, <laughs> but, but I didn't put that time in, mm-hmm. and I've been able to accomplish some pretty amazing things yeah. by just putting my heart and my mind mm-hmm. and my soul into it. Oh, it's wonderful. Well. Um, you always in, inspire so many people, I think, to get involved and do and do more for the community because you um, you're such a, a leader. And by by seeing what you've done, I, it does. It gives hope and people can think I, I can do anything. I can absolutely do that if I really, really want to. So that's that's fantastic. And also your um, your new um, book, which I am so excited about, just came out last week, right? Yep, yep. Yep. So it's Feed This Community, 11 Chapters for 11 Charities. So I remember you talking about this book a while back and going through the chapters and you've been working so hard on it. So I'm so thrilled for you that it's released <laughs> and you can buy it and you're already selling out <laughs> of the books. So um, tell us if you can a little bit about the book and the, the story behind it. Because it's awesome. And we have it right here. Yes, we have it. Um, It's it's a labor of love (laughs) and um, healing for me. It was a really difficult project to do to take all the fears and all the collaborations and all the people that you've had come in and out of your business and your life. Some of them you don't talk to anymore. Mm -hmm. Some of them are still close to you. Some of them, quite honestly, blame you for everything that you've ever done to them. And to put that in writing and put it in print and have it physically tangible was really hard. Um, 
originally the title was going to be uh, Why Does My Car Smell Like Onions? <laughs> because every time you open my car or Scott's car, it smells like some sort of food item. <laughs> then it shifted to uh, Eat This Community. Uh -huh. Okay, we, that's where I remember that one. Yeah, we yep. were going to have a big shark mouth on the cover because we go in and we just eat up the community and churn it into something good. Mm -hmm. But then we thought, well, people might get the wrong idea of that. <laughs> so what we do through the work that I do in the restaurant and outside of it is we do feed the community, mm -hmm. not just food, but all kinds of roles we play in life with people that we come in contact with. So this book is a accumulation of lots of recipes over the years and... Um, oh, that's my phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. We're live here, so it all goes, right? You can hear my seagulls. <laughs> I like it. I need, that, I need that ring. My ring is I love boring. seagulls because we don't have them anywhere else but New Jersey. <laughs> seagulls are generally quiet in yes. other parts of the world. They, they talk it up. Yeah. So what I wanted to do with this book was not only put the recipes down, but call out some of the community nonprofit partners that we've worked with over the years. And I think one of the hard things with that is we've worked with so many and mm -hmm. how do you pick 11? Mm -hmm. Because at some point we had to stop writing and stop yes. taking pictures and just say, we're going to like print this book and yes. we're done. Yeah. So we have everything from local charities like the Center of Asbury Park and Lake mm -hmm. House Music to Kula Cafe, and then we have some more global partners like Surfrider and Waves for Water that we do water programs in Nicaragua and Mexico. Mm -hmm. And in the back of the book, you can read about all of the different community partners and how we relate to them. Mm -hmm. And then every chapter has um, the chapter kind of formulated around what that nonprofit makes me feel like. Mm. Does it make me feel like making breakfast for my kids? Yes. Does it make me feel like making cookies for the Boys and Girls Club? Or does it make me feel like being at the beach with Clean Ocean Action? Oh, I love so it. it's got a very personal yeah. story. And the first meeting was at the Berkeley Hotel mm -hmm. the week after Sandy. Oh, wow. So I sat with this woman Lisa Schoenfield, and she was going to write for me, and she did write part of the book, and then Josh Rademacher, who was a bartender and a manager for me up until Sandy, mm -hmm. he moved to Philadelphia and is working for Stephen Starr now, mm -hmm. he helped me finish writing the book, mm -hmm. and then two amazing photographers, one is Mark Steiner, who I did a lot of work in Haiti with, mm -hmm. and another one is Danny Fresh, who is, um, she was the photographer for a magazine called Local mm -hmm. that came to Asbury and did a really nice article on me. So I reached out to her. And then another woman from Local edited the book. And then mm -hmm. a guy out of California who is dating like my big sister from childhood. Oh, no way. And her ex-husband, Tommy Tang, is the foreword of the book. Mm -hmm. So it's like all these people involved. Mm -hmm. And it is a real community of collaboration. I mean, mm -hmm. so many recipes were people saying, let's make this, and me or Scott saying, try this, let's try this, let's do it together. And mm -hmm. so every recipe has a story of some sort. Um, and it was really a nice process to do, but mm -hmm. a very um, 
like opening wounds mm -hmm. over the years yeah. of different relationships and situations and then having them come on print. Mm -hmm. But um, now it's here and it's, it's here. in writing. Yeah. And, um, and I'm very proud of it. I'm proud of proud. all the people that have helped me along the way. Yeah, no. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful book. It's a it's perfect coffee table book, too. I can makes me happy. You're, you see the Buddha on the front, the ocean in the background, and uh, the photos are, are beautiful, the full page photos. So um, you can purchase it at, on your website, Marilyn yep. Shosh. Schloss back. Schloss back. <laughs> you know, I'm going the S's like Sarah, no, Sally, Silk, Seashells, um, dot com. So, um, so congratulations on the book. And it, sh it just came out last week. So this is a huge, huge accomplishment. And you mm -hmm. should be very, very proud. Um, it's a beautiful book. And so, um, so this is one endeavor. And then the other one is your Wave of Balance um wellness moringa supplement company so tell, so yes. tell us about this because i remember you talking about this a few years ago also you were showing me some bottles and some prototypes and um and now it's finally out so yes. tell us about this yeah uh, this actually today i opened the bank account so it's real amazing <laughs> Um, and now what? Yeah. <laughs> so this is a total offshoot of life for mm -hmm. me. Um, I, I've taken supplements many times over the years. And when the earthquake hit Haiti, I was down there with a pastor from Asbury Park, Pastor mm -hmm. Sony, mm -hmm. who's an amazing man. I was the token Buddhist in a group of pastors from Monmouth County that were working on Haiti. And um, I traveled with him twice there. And learned about Moringa there because they use it for type 2 diabetes eradication. Mm. Uh, Moringa has the ability to pull sugars and metals and toxins out of your body. So, you know, I was taking it. I bought some when I was there, and I didn't think anything of it. And then we were in Nicaragua surfing. We were going there for a few years. We have some property there. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to somebody about it, and he said, oh, I know a farmer. You should meet him. So I ended up meeting him, mm -hmm. going to his farm, giving him some money, which I lost. Oh. But we had a dinner in Granada one night, and there was this gentleman from Korea, Mr. Soon, and he had dinner with us. He's um, not a young guy. He's in his 80s. Mm -hmm. And we fell in love. You know how you fall in love with a, a person? Mm -hmm. You know, it's... Not just, a intimate love, just this energy of just joy connect. that yes. you feel. And, and uh, he ended up saying to me and keeping in touch and saying, I want to help you. I already have a Moringa company, hmm. but my company is Korean and it's geared towards the Korean market. But if you want, I'll help you introduce it to the American market. I will do the product and the packaging. You just have to design it and market it and put mm -hmm. it out there. So we did. We did. <laughs> and um, he's so very nice. funny, and I don't yeah. always understand him. And sometimes I come to work, and there's boxes of moringa that I had no idea, had no were, idea. were finished or coming. <laughs> and um, that's a little challenging, okay. but he's very supportive of me and been very Amazing. helpful in doing something really quickly that I am totally inept in. But I believe in the product. Mm -hmm. um, I take it. I give it to my kids. Anybody I've given it to that is into that world of supplements mm -hmm. um, is finding benefits from it. 
Right. And uh, the company's called Wave of Balance. Wave of Balance, okay. Oh. And it will expand out of Moringa to other things. We also have embarked on an organic mushroom company called mm. Two River Mushroom. Mm. And the next step for that company, which supplies uh, organic mushrooms to restaurants in the area, we're starting um, medicinal blends of different types of mushrooms. You're so on trend. You're so ahead of, I mean, I was buying, I just heard about the mushroom, you know, benefits. Yeah. <laughs> so I was buying these little packets at Whole Foods. They're probably like $2 a pack yeah, yeah. and putting them in my coffee. Um, but I've read so much about yes. the mushrooms Mushrooms recently. are very hot on the market yes. right now. Yeah. And they have a lot of complementary benefits to Moringa, mm-hmm. um, mostly within memory and eye rejuvenation, which um, I have issues with both. Mm. (laughs) So so we're hoping that that part of what we're doing with the mushrooms Mm -hmm. will blend with the moringa. And we're going to start building this company of supplements and wellness items that we believe in. And we use not a million different things and concoctions, Mm -hmm. you know, the moringa I sell is 100% moringa. There's nothing else in it. It's organic. Is it it's organic. It's certified. It's all yeah. you need. Yeah. Um, and it has bits of um, magnesium, you said? Well, moringa is called the miracle tree. Okay. Uh, it has more, <laughs> more of most vitamins, C, A, B, D, than any green leaf vegetable or oh. other tree. It has magnesium. As I said, it's also a chelator, so it draws out things. Uh, When you grow moringa, you grow a tall, skinny tree. It grows in warm climates, but it um, rejuvenates quickly, so you can get two growth cycles a year from a moringa plant. And it has a leaf that is for immunity and to keep you well and balanced and it helps your skin and your hair and your nails say, grow. Your skin is looking great. Yeah, my nails are looking good. I'm oh my good. God, I'm starting tonight. <laughs> but the then moringa. there's also a pod uh-huh. that grows on the tree. Oh, okay. And the pod is what they use for diabetes. Now they're doing studies on uh, chemotherapy and cancer because mm-hmm. it draws out toxins and metals. Um, But when you do the pod, you have to process it and it creates an oil. Mm -hmm. So the next step of what we're doing is we did a blend of a topical oil for your hair and your face Mm -hmm. and your body that um, they say clears up all kinds of skin things Mm. and um, rejuvenates skin. I like it because it's not greasy like coconut oil. Mm -hmm. It's not it sinks in and, you know, it feels like. Skin doesn't yeah. feel like oily, yes. greasy, and I use it in my hair and everything. And mm. so it's like one-stop shopping. I love it for this plant. Is this available yet? The, the oil's um, not. The oil's We're working not. on the okay. packaging for the oil. Okay. But the supplements, the website will be up and running and have a shop on it next week. Next week. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll make sure to to promote that as well. But um, well, that's exciting. So you're you're busy. <laughs> And um, is there anything else um, down the road? That, any other ventures? We're or? always looking. You're always yeah. looking. I know. Like, oh, what's going on? Now we need some money. Next, Anybody want to give us some money? I know. Um, you know, I'd so like to things. do something soon that's yes. a little less intense as the boardwalk, but mm-hmm. um, more involved okay. with the wellness part of life mm-hmm. and food. Yeah. Um, so something will happen. I'm trying to take a little 
break here and yeah. <laughs> and just get clarity on mm -hmm. what the next step mm -hmm. would be. I mean, I also have twin six-year-olds, so know. it's a whole They're different so life. They're so adorable. They're so mm -hmm. adorable. And you're such a um, health-conscious family. So you you surf. You've been surfing my whole for life. your whole life. Which I never is so do cool. it anymore. Oh no, <laughs> too busy. <laughs> I know. We got to get you out on the surfboard. And Scott surfs, obviously. Scott surfs and... much more than me. Yeah. So. Have the girls tried it? They have. Okay. And I think this year will be the year we'll put them into surf camp. Okay. The summertime is in Asbury. Yeah, they have to and... fit the whole family brand. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. I say it would be great because then we yes. can just hang at the beach all the time. Exactly. We don't have to run to all these games yep, every weekend. Definitely. I know. <laughs> games. Oh, my gosh. The sports, sports schedule. Um, and so I also wanted to mention your catering company because yes. that's also an extension of your brand. And so you do full on catering from weddings to we do on premise, showers. off premise. We're okay. not the buy a tray of food caterer. Mm -hmm. We're more an event caterer. Mm -hmm. um, we love doing big events. They're yes. fun. It's like creating a restaurant for the night. And mm -hmm. um, for me, it's. I get a little anxiety about the catering because it's so planned. Mm -hmm. I'm much better when I don't know what's coming at yes. me than I am when it's written out. I get yeah. a lot of, oh, is it going to be perfect? Especially for a wedding, a wedding. situation yes. because there's so much emotion involved. Um, yes. But my brother works with me in that, and okay. we have a wonderful catering director, and we're yes. trying to build that. We're trying to find offshoots of what we do in food and beverage, which is becoming almost cost prohibitive mm -hmm. to do in America in general, especially in this area. Mm -hmm. So the catering helps to balance that financially. Yeah. Um, well, you catered um, one of the v events I did at Boho uh, Hair Salon, the, the branding talk, and it was delicious. Even the, the presentation, like everything was just top notch and just and the flavor is like you're like, oh, my gosh, I've never tasted guacamole that good like what is in there yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. just so special again it's well, an extension we, of your brand we're very different in mm -hmm. the catering world um for the area yes i mean it's not the tip it's no. not your typical but yet it's still things that people recognize but yet there's a, like a twist to it yeah. that is, is super yummy <laughs> yeah i mean i think whatever we do should be fun yes for the client and for mm -hmm. us it's we're not boring people, so no, it's really yeah. hard for us to do things that are not no. vibrant. Totally. And it's an, it's an extension of, I say Langosta Lounge, because that is the environment that I think of when I think of your brand. And like you said, it's yeah. just the energy, the... Vibrancy, yeah, I think even the, Pops Garage, Pops which is, you know, too, authentic yeah. Mexican, but in a American kind of fun environment, mm -hmm. but still keeping the soul and roots of the food yeah and the yacht club is just you know a fun music beach bar. and it's uh and all those bars like i remember eating um eating at the bar at pops and you're and i just felt like i was part of the kitchen like i was hanging with the people behind the yeah. bar and we're talking and it just felt everyone is is one it's yeah. almost like you're nobody has um I don't know. There's no difference between the waiter or the bartender or the patron. I just feel like you're all hanging out together. I don't know. That's and I try to, feeling you know, I... honestly create that with the staff. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have a hierarchy. Yeah. You're, you know, you're not the chef. You're Chuck. <laughs> you know, don't call me owner. <laughs> call me Marilyn, Marilyn, you yes. know, don't call the dishwasher the dishwasher. Call him Caesar, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. We all have a part of this. And without all of us doing it together... 
the client can't feel that ohana energy that mm -hmm. we're trying to portray here. Yeah. We all need each other. Yeah. I need you. You need me. Mm -hmm. Now we do an amazing job. And I, do, I love how your, your family, the girls are hanging out at Lingosta <laughs> and it's just, you know, you really make it work. It's work. Your whole lifestyle yeah. is you know, integrated. It's going to be. They're so cute. I can't, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be working and, you know. One uh, almost had to come with me today. So. <laughs> okay. All good. Oh, well, um, uh, I have another uh, question I want to ask you. I know um, a lot of people ask entrepreneurs your advice you would give to someone who wants to open up a, a restaurant. There are a lot of people that I work with that are looking to open, you know, food or bev beverage based um, businesses. So restaurants and yeah. <laughs> bars, any advice that you would give to somebody who's looking to leave their day job and start that entrepreneurial journey? journey? Well, I think one um well, there's a couple things I would say, and some of them have come from others. One is to stay within your four walls and stop comparing yourself to everybody else and find out what drives you, what your mission, your passion is, and keep that your boundary of your business and not worry about the guy down the street because his motivation is totally different than yours. And to always pay yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, Good that one. is really tough. I don't yeah. do it in the winter, mm -hmm. but we have to feel worthy of what we're putting out there. So if you can't, if you have to give up everything for everybody and there's nothing left for you, I mean, there's an old Buddhist like rule of thumb, fill your cup up first before mm -hmm. it can flow over. And as entrepreneurs, business owners, mothers, we always forget this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden your cup is empty and you have nothing for yourself or your family. Because if you're not happy, your staff, your customer will never feel the joy of you. So And your gifts, your natural gifts. Yeah. Yep. That's a good point. That's great. Great advice. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and um, so we have the Brand Groupies Challenge. Uh, that we ask at the end, if um, your brand or business were a song, which song would it be? Well, I wrote down three. Okay. Can I say three? Absolutely. <laughs> because, so um, Michael Franti is a friend and yes. an amazing musician. And Stay Human is one of my favorite mm, songs. I love that song. Because I love all the freaky people <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and they love us. Yeah. Um, my second is Mr. Wendell, which is mm -hmm. an old song from Arrested Development which talks a lot about um, giving a man a f the tools to fish instead mm. of giving a fish because I think we have to teach our communities how to be lifted up. We can't lift them up and expect them to stay up there. Mm -hmm. And then my third is Lovely Day, which is a feel-good song by Bill Withers that just, uh. when it comes on, I feel like that Target commercial, I feel like just... <laughs> Strutting in the restaurant and jumping around, and I want my customers to yes. feel that energy. So uh, I think those three kind of embody our business. Yes, those are great choices. Now I want to go listen. I want to go uh, play them and listen to them. Well, Marilyn, thank you so much for um, for being here. I mean, everything you do is just um, really, really. Um, I don't know. It's always, I'd say, inspiring, but you are constantly doing things that um, make people, uh, give people the extra motivation uh, to know that they can do it too. So you're an incredible. 
incredible leader. So thank you again. Thank you. And uh, also your your social media is is Marilyn um, Schlossbach. Yes. And then dot com and catering and you have a lot of things that you can find. And then your website, you can find everything on there. Yeah. If you go to Marilyn dot kitchen. Okay. Says everything. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again. This was great. So much fun. Thank you. Have a dollar. In fact, no, brother, man. Here, have two.